Welcome to the Kessler Foundation Grantee Spotlight. Earlier today, Larry Bram, Senior Vice President of Innovation and Program Development for Easter Sales, presented to our Board of Trustees and how the funding of Kessler Foundation is impacting the lives of U.S. veterans and their families. Along with Larry is Nathaniel Corbin, a U.S. veteran. He'll also talk to us about his experience through Easter Seals and how the funding from Kessler Foundation has helped him and his family. This presentation was recorded on Friday, May 13, 2016, at the Kessler Foundation Conference Center in West Orange, New Jersey. So let me tell you about who's here today. So Larry Graham is the Senior Vice President of Innovation and Program Development at Easter Seals. He has more than 30 years' experience working in both the for-profit and the not-for-profit sectors for mission-based organizations. In his current role, he is responsible for developing sustainable new programs and social enterprise businesses that meet vital community, critical needs, but do not require constant fundraising to survive. So that's really our goal, if you know in our programs, giving the seed money to launch and then programs becoming sustainable. Prior to joining Easter Seals, Larry spent 15 years in early childhood education publishing, four years in international biodiversity conservation, and 10 years producing large-scale jazz festivals and events in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and Cleveland, Ohio. He has a degree in British literature from the University of Michigan and an MBA from Stanford University Graduate School of Business, or a certificate in public management. He has one daughter with cerebral palsy who is finishing up her senior year at Edinburgh University, studying to be a speech and language pathologist. She'll be working in integrative competitive employment this summer at the National Institutes for Health in Washington, D.C. We're also pleased to have today with us Nathaniel Corbin. Nate is 39 years old, born and raised in Maryland. He's an eight-year Army veteran who served two tours in Iraq and Kuwait one year in Korea, and permanently stationed in Fort Riley, Kansas. He currently serves as a head of security for the largest nonprofit serving the Latino community. So let's give a warm welcome to both Larry and Nate. Thank you. Of everything she said, the fact that my daughter has a job for this summer is the best of all. So, And it's because of what you guys do every day. So. Um, so I thought I'd first start by telling you a little bit about Easter Seals. Easter Seals, you've all probably heard of it. We are a two-tier organization. There's the national organization, which does branding and public policy and advocacy. Then there's 74 regional affiliates. And all of us are independent. We have a local board of directors. Uh, as I like to say, we're not this huge organization because we don't get money from the national organization. We pay money to the national organization. So we are completely independent. Uh, we serve all of Maryland except the Eastern Shore, D.C. and Northern Virginia. So it's a little bit complicated. Our mission is to provide exceptional services to ensure that all people with disabilities and special needs have equal opportunities to live, learn, work, and play in their communities. It's a pretty broad focus, which is important to us, because that's how we were able to get into helping veterans. Um, we were founded as the Society for Crippled Children in 1919, and we've evolved a great deal. 
we began working with veterans in 2010, partly based on our location. We are right down the road from Walter Reed. And uh, we were called in and we started working uh, with the medical director called us in and asked us if we could help because all these wounded warriors were coming from all over the world and what he was seeing was the children of them were being were languishing there was no full-time child care on the base and they were being dragged to appointments with the parents so the parents couldn't focus so the next day we started a program called the little warriors where we provide free child care to any uh, to any soldier or you know anybody at Walter Reed, and currently we're serving about 12, 12 children today uh, like that. We also provide in-home respite for active duty military who uh, who have children with severe disabilities. So we go into the home for uh, up to forty hours a month with trained professionals. We do caregiver training all over the country for the VA for new caregivers of wounded warriors. We have uh, the largest number of veterans in Maryland in medical adult day programs or in our programs. And then to segue into employment, in 2010 we got a grant from the Department of Labor for a program called VWIP, which is the Veterans Workforce Investment Program. And that was great. We started doing it, but we quickly saw a couple problems with it. It is a government Department of Labor funded program. So what we found is there were way more people we couldn't serve than we could serve. We could only serve recently separated veterans who had difficulties with employment. That meant we couldn't serve homeless veterans, we couldn't serve spouses, we couldn't serve wounded warriors because they're active duty. We couldn't serve National Guards or Reserves. So there was this whole group. And we were doing great meeting every goal the Department of Labor had for us. It was a three-year grant. A year and a half into it, Congress eliminated the program. So we, were, we had a year and a half to, be, to think, well, are we going to fire all of our staff and stop serving all the program we're serving, or are we going to do something different? At the same time, we got a call from the Pentagon the head of Wounded Warrior Policy, who asked us, could we come up with a program, an employment program for wounded warriors? And what we looked at was that there was no way to do that in a sustainable way, because people have great needs, long-term needs. And so we said, let us develop something different. And that's the evolution into the Veterans Staffing Network. So the idea behind the Veteran Staffing Network is to create a sustainable employment solution for everybody in the military community, uh, including folks with injuries, but not exclusively. And we did about six months of business planning for this, where we brought in Lean Six process consultants, we talked to employers, we talked to veterans, we talked to agencies. One of the key aha moments for us was when I interviewed a small business owner, and this was a time where every corporation was saying, oh, we're going to hire 10,000 veterans, and we're going to hire 100,000 veterans. Who knows what that means? But the small business owner said, of course I want to hire a hero, but I'm scared to death of having to fire one. And that was really what we determined was what was really happening 
was one of two things. We had a lot of people calling us and saying, I want to hire a wounded warrior. And we'd say, well, what do you want them to do? And they'd say, I don't know. I want to hire a wounded warrior. That didn't make any sense either. You know, we don't want to do poster children, even though Easter Seals used to do that. We didn't want to have anything to do with that. So what we, we want to devise a business that lower the barriers to actually hiring veterans for real jobs that would help companies grow. We, we call the Veterans Staffing Network an employer-first business because if the employers aren't happy, they're not going to hire more people. The vets aren't going to be successful. We have to help the companies succeed better. And if they do, they'll hire more people. So we designed attempt to hire staffing agency. And why that matters, uh, and Nate is an example of this, is it's a try before you buy. For it lowers that barrier because while they're in that temp part, they're on the Easter Seals payroll. And while it's very hard to fire someone, frankly, it's not that hard to tell a temp agency, don't send this person back tomorrow. It's on us. You know, it's, it's not on them. So, but also for the veteran, it gives them an opportunity to try also before they commit permanently. So we do temp to hire, direct hire, you know, headhunting, and temporary jobs. So we do the whole range. And how we're different from typical staffing agencies who we compete with every day, like Kelly and Manpower, is two ways. Most staffing agencies focus on a specific industry, like IT or you know, admin. We focus on a group of people. We focus on the military community. And the other is, with a typical staffing agency, if you don't get the job, you're just lost in some database somewhere. We don't do that. We provide a whole series of support things, career coaching, you know, interview prep, all this stuff. We do complete assessments. And we don't, if you don't get the job, we continue to work with you. And we say, okay, this is the feedback we got. How can we fix it for the next time? Was it the wrong position? Was it you, know, you weren't prepared, what was the interview question that tripped you up? So we continue to work. So that's the social service part of the business. So we provide a whole ecosystem of support from career coaching, wraparound services. We will help you get if you need equipment, if you need clothes, if you need transportation. We can provide all of that to help you get to work. But then we also su supply help for the employers. So the candidate always has their career coach to go back to. And if they have an incident that they're not familiar with, you know, or they're having a really bad day or a PTSD episode, we say, don't leave, don't quit, don't storm out, call us. And we say the same thing to the employers. If someone's having a bad day, don't fire them. Call us, let us help you work through it. So we're providing that whole system of support. We find we have to do a lot of training of employers because we talk to the CEOs, oh, of course, yeah, we want to be vet friendly, we want to hire veterans, but then you get down to the level of the hiring manager and it could be very different because they have very different goals. And so we have to train, you know, on, you know, we've seen job descriptions that, yes, we want to hire vets, but the job descriptions are such 
that no veteran would ever have the experience to get through the online process to get an interview. So we have to work with them to say, what are the skills you need? What do you really need for this job? And let us walk somebody in. And that's you know, what we believe is the difference in ours from other grant-funded, purely grant-funded um, programs. We charge market rates for our services. So you pay us the exact same you'd pay any other temp agency. Now, we did find people would not pay one cent more. You know, they want to vet, but they don't want to pay more. So that, that was something we had to work in in our business development was we have to be price competitive, but we will usually win on a tie because who wouldn't want to hire a vet? So everybody has skin in the game here. Our veterans, through our e-learning program and our coaching system, you know, we will tell them, help them, but they've got to do the work, you know, to get job ready, to get their resume right, to do the interview. You know, we feed people who want to work. And on the employer side, this isn't a freebie for them. You know, they're making an investment too. They're paying us to bring these people on. So it's really a hand up and not a handout. And we think that's a big difference. And the model is interesting. And we, we always modeled it this way. We knew we wanted to create something sustainable. And we knew we are Easter Seals. We work with people with significant needs. So we wanted to make sure we were able to work with people with the wounded warriors, with the people who have more significant long-term needs and we're going to have to work with for a longer period of time. Well, the only way we can do that is by having enough revenue to support it. So we do a whole range of jobs. Some are you know, very high-paying professional services jobs. We are, we're in D.C., so we're in the world of defense contracting. You know, that's, what's, that's our local business. We are teaming partner on a number of defense contracts. So we have project managers making six-figure salaries on our payroll for four years. We're making a lot of money on those people. You know, that one job can pay for a career coach for an entire year. The margin will do that. So that's our sustainability model. And we were thrilled to get the Kessler grant in 2014 because we were just beginning to ramp up. And what I want to say to thank you to all of you is we were trying something really hard, something, a new approach, and Kessler and a few other foundations I'll tell you about in a minute took the chance, you know, on a vision to do something differently. And I can tell you, you know, our grant with Kessler was one specific grant for these other funders who we asked for five years of funding from they're saying in their entire philanthropic career, they've never had somebody say, okay, we're done with you. We accomplished what we said we were going to do. So you know, th these folks are saying, wow, you're not going to ask us for money after next year? That's fantastic. You've made my life. So that's really what we were aiming for. So what was it we were trying to accomplish? So there are a number of you know, big issues facing the military community. Um, we were talking outside here. If you look here, these numbers are Department of Defense numbers. So everybody believes they're ridiculously low, but they're still very scary high. That of, for folks who have served in Iraq and Afghanistan, 
six and a half percent have suicide ideation. 16.5% suffer from PTSD. We believe that number is probably closer to 80, 90, 100% in reality. And TBI, almost 20% suffer from TBI. And these guys went back and back and back, and so it's really scary. So what were our share goals? We said we would place 800 people over two years. Okay, we didn't quite make that. We've gone 700. We asked for a six-month extension. We will blow through that number in the last six months. Uh, we provide this intensive and online coaching, so we just rolled out our e-learning system, which has a comprehensive e-learning system, which will allow us to scale our coaching nationwide in a big way. There's 64 different modules on everything from self-assessment to interviewing to resume writing, so that our coaches then can really focus on issues that need one-on-one -on -one support instead of things that people can do as homework and it's a blended approach thing and that our earned revenues would cover program expenses by the end of year five because we knew the sea of goodwill would end I mean do you hear anyone talking about veterans much anymore do you know we're still at war you know we still have soldiers out there dying the public we knew the public would forget about this and the philanthropy to support it would go away. So that was our goal, and we are on target to do that. So what have we delivered together? We have delivered about $10 million in societal economic impact, and we calculate that by cost savings from taking someone from a tax taker on unemployment to a taxpayer earning a living. We've coached nearly 3,000 veterans and other military members, including we go to Walter Reed every month into their sort of critical care unit and we work with uh, TBI victims right there in Walter Reed. These are folks who have been determined we can't quite teach them to fish yet. We need to write a resume for them and then teach them why we wrote it the way we did. That, so we're helping them early on. We've placed more than 700 veterans in permanent career track jobs, again ranging, average salary of $17.63, but ranging from $10 an hour jobs to $120,000 a year jobs. 26 million in salaries, if you took everybody's salary, the annualized amount of those. We are the first program in Easter Seals history that isn't hyper-local. By the nature of this business, we knew we had to be national because we're serving national companies who don't just want us to fill jobs in Maryland and D.C., but all over the country. So currently on our payroll today, I think we have people in 14 states. And the best that we can tell is approximately 24% of those that we've served uh, have disabilities. Again, there's self-reporting issues. There's issues of us asking the question. It has to be self-reporting because we're the employer. So we, you know, there's all those sorts of issues there. So, you know, you, you guys helped us. You brought in the Rutgers folks. Uh, they're coming again next week to evaluate us. And they said, what are the keys to our success? There's a couple. One is that we're veterans working with veterans. Um, out of our 21 staff members, 20 are either veterans or military spouses. People working on our special projects around homeless veterans are formerly homeless veterans themselves. Um, 
The one person who isn't, and this is the second key to success, is Tim Stetcher, who runs the whole program. He was a board member of ours. We actually have a number of staff members who are former board members, which is interesting. But he used to run uh, staffing for Siemens, then started his own staffing agency, grew it to 200 employees, sold it for a lot of money, then came to work for Easter Seals. So he brings the industry, the business. We knew how to run social services, how to do coaching and case management. We didn't know how to run a staffing agency. So Tim provides that very deep experience. So we have coaches, recruiters, business development specialists. You know, so we have the whole staffing infrastructure with us. So this is the favorite slide for funders. We've leveraged your investment with about $5.8 million of other money. Capital One is sort of the big funder. In the next few weeks, it's going to be announced they're making a capstone grant of a million dollars to us. Again, so we are, now that we've proven the model, we can ramp up the staff and push through that sustainability. The Call of Duty Endowment, we're one of about 10 organizations they fund nationwide. The interesting thing about them is, before they gave a single grant, they sent an auditor from Deloitte in for a week to look at us. And they've sent them in every year again, but so we were highly looked at and we won an award from them as one of the most effective and efficient uh, veteran employment programs in the country. Because in two years, our cost per placement will be zero, right? Because we're gonna generate more money than, than it costs to do it. Uh, a local foundation, the Kayfords Foundation and the local United Way have supported it. But the one down here, the Department of Labor, who we said we wanted to get away from, but they have special programs around homeless veterans and homeless female veterans, and they were looking for innovation. So because of the veteran staffing network, we were able to get two grants from the Department of Labor to focus on these specific populations, and they move back and forth between our two program areas. So we can place someone from that program through the VSN, um, so we use every resource available. We work with more than 180 companies. And you see some big ones that you know there, some local ones, companies all over the country. That's our business development expertise. That's also one of the things most organizations, a social service organization, wouldn't know how to do. We, on any day, probably have 100 to 150 jobs open that people have contracted with us. Now, typically, we're not the only one trying to fill those jobs. They're hiring lots of companies, so a job that's here today may not be there tomorrow. So we're trying to ramp up our staff so we can fill more of those jobs. And then the question everyone else always asks is, so how do you find vets? Nate will tell you he found us through a job posting on Craigslist, actually, and he applied. But we have very specific partnerships with lots of people, uh, national VSOs, veteran service organizations, uh, the U.S. Army Reserve, the Military Spouse Employment Network, which is part of Joining Forces. It's Michelle Obama's initiative. Hiring our heroes was an interesting thing. You know, they've they do 400 job fairs across the country 
every year, which is great. They've got, you know, this is the Chamber of Commerce. But the problem they were having is at a typical job fair, fewer than 10% of the people will get a job. And so those other 90% were dropping. We now have a relationship with them where, one, we do training at a number of the fairs, but we also have access to their database. So we're picking up the 90% and not just dropping them. So we have access to all of those people. And finally, are we making it? You know, this is both a, we're definitely making it on the mission side. Are we making it on the business side? Well, you'll see since we started, since we got Kessler funding, we were right around here when we got our grant. So we had almost no revenue. I mean, you guys were really going on a, on a vision. Every year we've doubled. This year we're going to get over a million and a half dollars and we are on track uh, now to uh, break even by the end of 2017, right on target. We're going to have a big celebration the day that number uh, flips over. And we will be a sustainable model without, uh, without the need for future philanthropy to keep it going. Because we know a couple hundred thousand vets are being created every year as these wars wind down, people are being dismissed and leaving. So the need is not going away. Um, and we are going to get there. As you see, we are really now beginning to go. We're, two months ago, we actually made our budget number for the first time. Our revenue exceeded what we said we were going to do. So we're really beginning to take off, and we're on pace uh, to get to a million and a half dollars. So that's the business uh, side of it. Uh, but Nate Corbin is you know, part of the human side. We have a million, we have 700 stories. Nate is one of them, and so I'm sure you'd rather hear from him. So I'll, I'll hand it over to Nate Corbin. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Larry. Um, I was very fortunate, um, like you said, to find this uh, job posting on Craigslist. Um, at the time, um, I was sustaining a significant back injury that occurred in 1998 in a Humvee accident. Um, I hit a six-and-a-half-foot ditch, and I had six people on top of me in the back of a Humvee um, getting ready to flip over. So, unfortunately, as you see me standing here today, I did make it out. Um, but nevertheless, um, I applied through the Craigslist app, and I was very fortunate because um, being a veteran, who's been um, classified as PTSD. Um, if you talk to some veterans, they don't want to use that as a crutch. And a lot of employers, um, they tend to stray away from PTSD classified veterans because they say that um, they don't want them to have an episode at work in front of people. Um, I myself work in a professional nonprofit. Um, the previous slide, NCLR, the largest uh, Hispanic nonprofit in the nation. Um, I work with over 200 people. And um, PTSD is, is very hard to do when you have a crowd of people around you working in a professional environment. Um, but I don't use it as a crutch. Um, I use my faith and a lot of training that has helped me to um, sustain that. So to go back, um, as you said, I'm 39. Um, I have one daughter, I am married, I have three other kids, so I have four all together. Um, I started in the military at 19 out of high school. Um, I didn't have a very good direction where I wanted to go in life, but I did want to uh, become a man and have my own. 
So I enlisted in the military. Um, initially, I went in to go in the reserves, but I told myself, why do the reserves? I only do two weeks a year. Just do it and get it over with and do what you have to do. So I went active. Um, I did basic training at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Um, I was there for about 12 weeks, and then I got stationed in uh, Fort Riley, as Elaine stated this morning um, in the introduction. Um, in Fort Riley, um, before um, it is what it is now, um, when I was there, they were getting ready to shut down that post. Um, this is well, well before 9-11, well before any of the um, conflicts that we are in now. Um, Fort Riley was very run down, a very old post, but once 9-11 um, happened, things ramped up. And as you could probably Google later after my, my presentation, Fort Riley now is the National Training Center for Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, fortunately, um, I was not a part of that. They have now housed Big Red One. Big Red One moved all the way from Germany here to America, and they now sustain all training for the current conflicts that we're in. Um, so after Fort Riley, I did a year in Korea straight through, didn't come back. Um, I have to say um, Korea probably was my best duty, probably was my best duty. Um, outside of the students that didn't understand why we were there, um, did a couple, well, was involved in a couple of protests, not by choice, um, doing the sightseeing and stuff like that. You get caught up in stuff like that. But um, outside of Korea, I went back to Fort Riley, and then that's when the conflicts in Iraq and Kuwait started. Um, our battery, which is one single component of a whole battalion, we went to Kuwait first. We did it for six months, came back we went in April, came back in October, the following year of May, we got shipped out again with our whole battalion and brigade going to Iraq. So we did that. I came back in August and we went back again. I only did maybe six, seven months because I ended my enlistment. Um, I did it mainly for the preservation of my family. Uh, at the time, my first wife, she was pregnant, and um, I didn't want to put any undue pressure on her. And it's been many times she's called me or Red Cross message at least twice where stress has caused her to have premature bleeding and stuff like that. So I made the, I think I made the right decision um, to end my enlistment. I didn't want to uh, put any undue pressure on her where I would lose my child. So um, with Easter Seals, um, and I applied through that job, I think I was very fortunate. Uh, I think it was destined. Um, I had a short stint in culinary school. Um, I couldn't sustain that due to my back injury. And I was unemployed for like eight, nine months. Um, some days I can get out of the bed, some days I couldn't. As you can see, I walked up here fine, but um, what you don't see is sometimes um, the major de degenerative disc that I have on my back and the hip problems that I have every day. Um, I don't take any medication. I'm strictly on yoga nutrition, and just walking. Um, I believe in a very holistic approach. I don't take a lot of medicine for stuff. It's just something that I've taken a hold of because while in the military, they say the one drug in the army is Motrin. I don't want to be a Motrin baby. Um, that's just me. 
I'm not sure how everyone feels about that. I understand you guys do a lot of research for things. I'm not sure if you guys use medication or anything like that, but I believe in hard work. And medication kind of trumps that hard work. It kind of makes you dependent and kind of makes you feel like you don't have to try as hard when you're on medication. And I like to achieve my goals through hard work because you can look back on it and say, I did that without no help. So with that, um, I'm now currently the head of security with NCLR, as Larry mentioned. Um, when I got there, they had no security structure. It was just mainly, um, as you see in many other government or Class A buildings, are you here to see someone, you sign in. After you sign in, you go see your guest. Um, with the current um, election and everything that's going on with all the attention that the Hispanic and Latino community is receiving, um, I was tasked with implementing a new security structure um, from ground zero. So with that from ground zero, I have created an emergency response plan. We have our emergency committee. We have new security structures down from A to Z. And with the help of some staff members, I think we can accomplish our goals by next fiscal year to have everyone trained on certain situations and what to do. Um, I'm not really good at talking about myself. So if you guys have questions, I'm open the floor. I ask, answer any questions you may have. I'm just honored to be here. I thank Larry uh, every day, Vanessa, his staff, Ms. Trisha Tyler, um, because as he said, 700 employees, I'm just one single story. And I feel very honored to be here. So with that, I'll open the floor for any questions. Nate, thank you for your service to our country. Appreciate it very much. First question for you, Nate, and then Larry. When you look back on the military skills that you achieved in the service, how did that help you in terms of your career today? What, what did it teach you in terms of the career that you have today? So my career today, um, being the head of security, professional environment, everything that I've been through in the military. Um, I, was a, I was a fast tracker. You know, I can talk about myself with that. I love talking about me being a fast tracker. I got in, I worked hard, and mainly um, there's, there's the Army values, leadership, respect, selfless service, honor, duty, personal courage. I take a very personal courage in everything that I do, and I take in a, a responsibility in everything that I do. Um, Outside of fast tracking, when I got out the military, um, I went to go work for a small security company called Securitas. I'm not sure if it's here in, in Newark, but I was stationed at Sprint Campus, and I went there as an entry-level security officer. Within two years, I was the campus manager under a restructure, an organizational restructure, and I was over the entire campus, which is about 200 acres, and I was over 111 employees being 20, a 20-something-year-old 20 kid, you know, I didn't know much, but I think I, I take great pride in the military giving me those skills of, you know, putting my feet to work and going and just wanting to do the best right. out of everything. Thank you. Thank you, Nate. Uh, Larry, a uh, question for you is with the hundreds of Easter Seals organizations, I, I don't know the exact number if you mentioned it, across the country, 
Um, and I know you talked about a national model here that you, you're actually um, uh, you're placing individuals across the country. How do you leverage the skills that, and, and knowledge that you've gained from this program so that other Easter seals, which I know are not part of one 501c3, you're all separate 501c3s, but how do you leverage that so that other organizations and Easter seals can benefit from the knowledge and experience that you've gained in the business model that you're creating? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. Our original plan was to do a sort of pseudo-franchise model, and we actually brought in a consulting teams to help us develop it and look at it. And what we realized is it didn't really work for this type of business the way we were. One, as you see, we've invested millions of dollars standing this thing up. Um, and you know, the future, who knows, as, as we are um, self-sustaining, that gives us more freedom to do things. Most of the Easter Seals who are in employment are sort of old line supported or customized employment. There's one or two who still do sheltered workshops, but mostly it's customized and supported employment. And this model is very, very different because supported employment is one person, one job. And what we're doing is finding jobs and then finding people who want, who want to and are skilled to fit in them. So it's a very different mindset. I mean, we've had conversations with people. What do you mean you're charging people? You're, you're making profit. Well, we're not making profit. We're supporting the organization. We're not making profit. But also that, you know, we've had you know, comments like, wait, are you forcing people into jobs they don't want? And no, of course we're not doing that. We're helping find people jobs they do want um, and offering real jobs to people. So it's a very different model. Um, what we do do, the way we leverage them currently, is every job offer we get, every open job we have, we push out through the network. And there's, I think, 74 of us. So you know, if we have a job in San Diego, the Southern California affiliate knows about it, and they have a veteran employment program, so they often will submit candidates to that. Um, it was tough for us to be a national program. Uh, my boss, Lisa, had to call her counterparts and say, no, we can't afford to set up a program for you, but we need to place this person. So you're going to let us come in. We're not going to fundraise. We're not going to you know, do anything else. So it's, it's difficult. So we're leveraging the fact that if they have, if they're working with veterans, and about seven of the affiliates around the country are, we communicate with them every day, and every time we get a job, we do that. We hope, as it gets bigger, we will look at it again. So, and again, I'd just like to thank you guys for your taking a chance to do something different. That's part of your DNA. You know, it was Capital Ones as well, and you know, we couldn't have done that, and that's what you do, and that's important, because otherwise we're stuck. We're never going to move the ball. You need different approaches, and not every funder is like that. Let me tell you, not every funder is willing to fund a program that may fail. And we had a big chance to not succeed at this, but you had the faith to let us try and give us the freedom to fail if, if it wasn't going to work. So thank you for that.